Hey, Joel here. It's Dining Around Across the Nation and, uh, well, around the world at times. We're broadcasting live from the capital of American gastronomy, and I'm thrilled to be in the restaurant of a gentleman who has a much history here in the Bay Area, but also history in France and history around the world as well. And we're joined now by Roland Passo. He, with his wife Jamie and his brother George, have a La Folie restaurant, and they also have Left Bank Brasserie and Left Bank Steak, sorry, uh, <laughs> Left Bank Steak as well. I'm talking too quick for myself because I'm sitting in front of the gentleman himself. Roland, thank you for having us in your restaurant today. Thank you for being here, uh -huh. and it's good uh, to have you here. And uh, yes, we, uh, so you know, our first baby was La Folie, me and Jamie, then we open almost now, uh, it'll be 30 years next March. Really? March, yes. That's amazing. Years, 30 and years. Your restaurant is um, in the Russian Hill neighborhood of San Francisco. It's much loved, much loved by San Franciscans and visitors as well. And I personally have been fortunate to be here a couple of times, not only hanging out in the beautiful Fun Hip Bar, which is such an amazing creation, but the restaurant itself, uh, Monsieur Jacques Pepin chose to do an event here not so long ago. And it, for me, it just reminded me of the fact of, of the significance of your space and, and how much depth goes into it. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, uh, it just this year it made me realize uh, for French fine dining, I mean, uh, truly French food, I mean, uh, and fine dining, we're the last of the Moicans. <laughs> we're the, the last really survivor of the French dining scene in San Francisco, the true French dining scene. Mm -hmm. You know, there was Fleur de Lis, there was L'Etoile, Le Trianon, right. La Bourgogne, and all those restaurants, uh, a little at a time, have disappeared, Ernie's, and uh, mm -hmm. so it's kind of sad, you know, to be the last one, but, you know, we're still hanging there. Uh, there's a lot of other restaurants besides that and that's why I opened Left Bank, uh, the first Left Bank in Larkspur, but uh, that was 24 years ago now, I think, if my memory is right. Mm -hmm. And uh, in Larkspur, we opened Left Bank, and the idea was to do something a little bit more casual okay. than La Folie, more like a brasserie where it reminds you of, uh, you know, Eau de Mago or uh, Lips or <laughs> Lip, Lip Brasserie or. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all those great, great brasseries in Paris mm -hmm. Then you see, and also some of my Lyonnais cuisine that I grew up with, you know, we have the Bouchon Lyonnais, who are uh, some of the greatest bistro uh, in France, you know. And, uh, well, let me ask you this question then, because you did grow up in the restaurant business in Lyon. You started when you were, what, 14 years old in the restaurant 15 business? Years, 15 years old, but I was not in the restaurant business. Ah. I mean, my parents were definitely not in the restaurant business, but I had a passion, I guess. Uh, I was more a gourmand, maybe, the passion for eating. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, with that say, you know, I went into uh, working into some great restaurants mm. uh, uh, in Lyon. And some of them, uh, and also some in Provence, but some in Lyon, in the suburb of Lyon. And what was great, it's uh, to learn, uh, you know, your craft through different chefs, mm -hmm. like we used to do it and like we're still doing it today. Right. But uh, it's... Uh, very different today than what it was then. Well, of, of course, and, and I want to bring it back to this concept of, of the brasserie as opposed to the fine French restaurant. I mean, they're both fine, but is it traditional for a French chef of note to maybe have a more casual restaurant that they create in addition or no? 
you see a lot of that in France, to be honest. It's uh, it's uh, really much so because a uh, fine dining restaurant, it's uh, uh, very costly to operate because it takes more people. It's uh, also uh, an operation not just in the back of the house, but also in the front, so in the kitchen, in the dining rooms. Uh, there's a lot more details. The brasserie, it's more... Uh, of the food of the regions so you get some braising dishes in winter you get some nice summery salad but uh, you uh, y- you know i mean the the brasserie is more about each different region of france like in lyon uh, you will see uh quenelle mm-hmm. who is the, the p- it used to be made with pack with a patachou and uh, with what we call a panade really and you know we'll, uh, we reinvent the dishes by doing more like a mousse and mm-hmm. forming it like a quenelle and all that so and uh, with a crawfish sauce or uh, you'll get uh, the buff bourguignon who is very close to burgundy or uh, you get cocovin and things mm-hmm. like this so uh, uh, you know, things then no. which are more approachable, yes. but certainly would be easier for a restaurant to do. And I don't mean easier as in simple. It's just no, it, more it, approachable and fewer people need to be involved. I, I think it takes a lot of uh, techniques to uh-huh. uh, to do those dishes. So you, uh, unless you grow up with them, you know, I mean, to do a good coq au vin uh-huh. or a good beef bourguignon or a good cassoulet. Uh, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's not that easy. So uh, I think uh, you, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I think a lot of chefs, unfortunately, today learn how to cook very differently and they have not learned mm-hmm. those basics. Right. So, but when it comes to true French food, it's what true mm-hmm. French food is. Right. What we do here, it's a representation that La Folie, by example, a representation of fe- French food, but using really local ingredients and it's really influenced also by California, by, by also the people who live in California from Asia to mm-hmm. South America to uh, Italians to everything, you know, there's a little bit of everything, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's the true experience of, uh, of uh, the farmer's market here, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, the brasserie, uh, you still follow the seasons because it's important. So okay. you, you, you just went through Clafouti mm-hmm. and uh, uh, through now it's going to be Pitch Melba probably <laughs> or things like this, you know. And uh, I'm getting and, hungry. And, and uh, we'll, we'll do uh, more uh, seasonal dishes and mm-hmm. using uh, squash, summer squashes with ratatouilles and things like this. Then you won't do in the winter where you'll use more braise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're, when you're working with the younger chefs or the newer chefs who are coming up. And I know here at La Folie, you did a series of dinners really celebrating team members in your kitchen, your younger yes. chefs who are coming up, which was which was fantastic. Do you what do you try to do as an executive chef to bring your student chefs or your sous chefs up? What what actions what so so what's important today it's to you know there's again a lot of talent in the Bay Area. You were saying, you know, it's the capital gastronomy of the United States I it believe is. it, you know. I mean, it's Sorry, uh, New York. Uh, there, there is a lot, a lot of talent and a lot, a lot of great restaurants. So, for me, it's to really involve the kitchen and not just the chefs and the sous chefs, but also the line cook. Everybody, really, or the guy who's doing a stage, who is doing his internship here, mm. 
to try to make them participate on developments of ideas and recipes. There is no stupid idea. There is no just just come up with you know. I mean, and I can say no to it. You mm -hmm. know, when we you know, I mean, present it and uh, you know, we'll buy anything you need. But you know, I if it doesn't taste good, then <laughs> it's not going to get on the menu. But there is a lot of things sometimes on the dish. You know, it may not be all together yet, but this is the element maybe there's one element we're going to use in that recipe it was really really good and if you were a young chef as you were working in kitchens coming up you would have learned that over time as well because you work with these great chefs yeah uh, and they uh, would uh, give you their opinion except their opinions was like you do what they're telling you to do <laughs> where i think today is a lot more open as is the teamwork mm -hmm. It's really a teamwork talking about menus, about ideas, about what they see elsewhere when they go out for dinner, but also in social medias, you know, in Instagram or, uh, uh, you know, uh, in Twitters or in different Snapchat, publications, yes. you know, because you'll see some beautiful picture. Hey, did you see what that guy did over there and this and that? And uh, I think it opened your mind to a lot wider things. So, uh, things then before it was like whatever the chef tell you to do you do mm -hmm. he show you how to do it that way and that's it mm -hmm. where today is a lot more opens to other uh, methods right. techniques and you have to be uh, you have to become yourself also a student as well mm -hmm. you're not just the teacher anymore you can learn as much as they can learn I think that that's, that's an exciting thing as well. Absolutely. And it would, it would certainly continue to propel your restaurant forward because you know, innovation it, is... Innovation, is sharing ideas, uh, really mentoring people, but, you know, let them be comfortable in their own skin. Not, you know, it was like I was saying before, it was a time where the sh you couldn't even speak in the kitchens. Where I think now, you know, I mean... People can give their opinions or, or give their ideas and say, hey, you know, chef, you mm -hmm. know, I was thinking for the next salmon dish or the next scallop dish or the next lamb dish. You know, I was thinking of that. Okay, let's put it together. Let's look at it. Let's test it. Let's see what you, you know, and let's criticize it. Mm -hmm. It's very important to criticize it because otherwise, you know, uh, and it do, doesn't if it's perfect great <laughs> but you know uh, well you, you want to know it before it goes to you, the, to you, the you're diner you're not going to do it for the diner but yeah. you, it's a work in progress every time you change the menus mm -hmm. then people will you know uh, they will team up together and present a dish you know and say okay what do you think you know mm -hmm. I mean you know oh, it needs more acidity or you know the vegetable yeah, I don't think it's the right thing so it doesn't go with it so well or mm -hmm. you know I mean in just continue the educations of everybody, you know, and uh, uh, them, but yourself as well, you know. I mean, and as the as the diner, it continues to engage us, absolutely. which is important. So you it's know, not I exactly mean, the same always. There are things that are coming you along. You need to evolve, about. and you know, longevity. We were talking about that earlier. At the longevity, it's because we did evolve. We did a restaurant uh, five times. Mm -hmm. We. Uh, you know, I mean, there's always an evolution in front and in the back of the restaurant. I involve my server a lot in discussions about the food, but also about the service, about what the customer say about mm -hmm. certain dishes, you know, what's the feedback? Mm -hmm. Did they like it? Did you like it? Right. What do you think? 
did we finish the plate? Did we clean it up? <laughs> in, you know, you know. I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, and and how it's described and uh, what you think is it. You know, I mean, sometimes you get overcomplicated on descriptions. Mm -hmm. It needs to be clear to the guest. It cannot be like words that they don't understand either. And I've I've seen that happen in restaurants. Yes. I've seen both sides of it. I've seen something come out and and it arrives, and I think to myself. Did I order that? Yes. It's nothing what I, like I thought I was going to be. Or the opposite. I'm like, this is insane in the best way possible. Yes, but absolutely. This is... And you kind of want to surprise the guest. Mm -hmm. But so I think it's where also the team uh, is really important. The, the front and the back of the house. And that is true, not just in in fine dining, but also in bistro, like left bank or Albi steak. You know, it's very important to have a teamwork between already the GM and mm -hmm. the chefs but also uh, you know the so the management teams but also the people you know mm -hmm. who are you know the commie or the chef de party or the things like this so everybody has to have their place and their uh, you know you want them to feel confident mm -hmm. confidence i think is very important if somebody is confident in the restaurant he's going to tell you things he's going mm -hmm. to also give you some ideas well and you, you would want that too and, and you want that yeah. and, uh, and I think it's the big difference between before you know and I'm talking about 30 40 50 years ago and today. Mm -hmm. I think the evolution in the kitchen have mm -hmm. for you know evolved very quickly for the better you know and I, I think that perhaps the diner and also the person who's worked in the kitchen when you th when I think of young chefs coming up and chef de cuisines they dine out as much as possible. They're always looking to new things. And and that experience that they have is exciting. And I, I believe that a number of years ago, that may not have been the same. But now that there's this plethora of different styles and foods and cuisines, why not get all of the information possible? Yes. I mean, I, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, I remember... Um, for a while, people were calling, you know, fusion cuisine, <laughs> and I was calling it confusions because <laughs> it was all over the place. But the world has become such a smaller place with a lot of different cultures because people live together. Today. Right. A lot more than before, I feel like. I mean, definitely here in the United States, as always was the case. But, you know, in France, we didn't see so much Chinese mm -hmm. or Koreans, and now we do. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and you know, definitely the Middle Easterns we saw, but you know, I, I think it's all those spice and those flavors that we need to embrace and we need to adapt it to our cuisine, mm -hmm. not just to, uh, you know, make a copy of a dish than they do, but right. say, okay, you know, you know, this is really interesting. What could I do with that? I mm -hmm. mean, that spice, that flavor, you know, where can I put it? Can I put it with the lamb? Can I put it with the mm -hmm. beef or this or and that? that? You know, I mean, and that it's very interesting. As long as you know how to do it, I mm -hmm. think, you know, as you know, you're going to go eat the true Chinese food and maybe find some flavors that you really like and say, oh, you know, I mean, that mm -hmm. would be good with my scalp. Yeah. You know, I mean, and maybe I can... Mm -hmm add a little bit of this and a little bit of that you know I mean and, and, and sometimes it takes one or two tastes to yeah, get there exactly because I've had I'm things that I'm like you not so much with that you, you later I, I think you want to take the the traditional of both dishes and kind of elevate them to what it can be you know so it's there's two culture you know let's say Japanese and French or mm -hmm. Chinese and French you know you want to make sure then they've feed each other mm -hmm. really and they 
when the guest is going to get it, it's going to make sense. Yeah. It's not like, oh, it's shocking. Right. You know, Com- uh, they, they need to complement one another. They need to complement one another. It needs yeah. to be well balanced. So, you know, <laughs> it's tricky. And, you know, I think with the new generations of uh, young cooks, you know, they do a lot more of that. You know, if you take the cooking school today, you know, they have different they have different cuisine than mm-hmm. they learn. They don't just learn French and the right. basic or Italians, you know. They, uh, but it was that way. But it was that it, way. It was that way. And but I, yeah. N- now it's a lot more broad mm-hmm. in a sense than you see uh, French, Italian, Korean, Thai, mm-hmm. Chinese, Japanese, Mexican, you know, right. and South then, American. Right, and then regional, regional South American, uh, regional Mexican, regional Italian, uh, regional Chinese. Uh, and I think, you know, the farm to table movement, you know, I mean, sometimes you get tired of hearing, you know, <laughs> I'm farm to table. I mean, everybody is, should be farm to table. Right. I mean, today it should be because, you know, I mean, we live in California. And we should know where our food and comes we from. We should, should yeah. know that, you know, asparagus is not served in January <laughs> or in December, or, you know, and it's a very short season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's already gone. But, you know, you know, I mean, it's things like this. Then, you know, if I see something on the menu, then they're serving asparagus now. Then I say, they're not. They're not coming from California. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not coming from California. So, right. you know, I mean, yes, you can get things uh, year-round, but I'm not expecting to see cherries or peaches in December either. Right, yeah. So it's, it's things like this. You know, you cherries the best is the already best. done. You mm-hmm. know, we're done with cherries. There was a big heat wave. Cook the cherries. Yes, you can get cherries from Washington. They're still going to be good. And, you know, it's Washington cherries, but it's not California cherries anymore. <laughs> so a, lo- a lot of things, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's why I, uh, I engage my chefs and cook to come meet me at the farmer's market mm-hmm. every week. You know, I mean, I go shop at the market because I love it and because you have a relation with the farmers. He tells you what he's planting. You can tell him, hey, I'm looking for such and such things could you do that for me and mm-hmm. yeah let me and you then know. you help a business yes and they help you because they have yes, the most amazing product absolutely yeah. so and it's fun you know it's really uh, rewarding to you know to know the farmer to know how hard they work and what they do and their challenges as well but you know i mean to have a con- connections between the chef and the farmer and you know i think today's a lot of chefs, thank God, are going to the farmer's markets yeah. and are celebrating the season. And it's season. a learning experience as well. It is. And I think that for us, for we who have worked in restaurants in the front of house, uh, there is that connection as well. I think it, it was always important for me to go to the farmer's market to know what was fresh just exactly. for that aspect. Because I mean, you know, when you taste your first strawberries. Oh you my know, gosh. And, and, uh, yeah. Or your and first, pe- the, the peach, peach that tastes like a peach. It was, exactly. it was one of these like throw you back to my, throw me back to my childhood when we had peach trees and it was like, oh, I'm now in California exactly. and this is the most delicious thing and it's got an ugly blemish on it and I don't care because I want that peach and that's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a and passion. And, well, and it does, uh, you know, remind you of your childhood if you have a garden or whatever and, uh, if you, you know, I remember my grandfather had that wonderful pear tree in his garden. And it seems like there was, you know, high, like 30 feet high, you know, and uh, he used to put two or three sticks and a can <laughs> uh, attached, you know, and we used to uh-huh. shake 
We used to put the pair in it uh-huh. and shake the thing and the pair would fold. So, you know, perfectly right pair, but you eat that pair and it's all the juice <laughs> coming through your cheeks and to your, y- you know, uh, and it's, 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 it's what it is. It's, yeah. it's uh, you know, uh, all the best apricot, you mm-hmm. know, then you pick on a tree. So when we saw Lucky in California, because we have all that, so, you know, I think then there's classical French, you know, or, you know, more of uh, fine dining, you know, more creative, mm-hmm. you still, you know, can have a beautiful strawberry tart. Right. And uh, uh, and say, oh my gosh, this is wonderful, you know, with the right crust, mm-hmm. uh, with a little uh, maybe cream underneath. You You're know, driving me crazy, uh, you know that. And, and <laughs> just the whole strawberry, and mm-hmm. you're eating strawberries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, um, even here in the fine dining, sometimes when I do, you know, when we do our strawberry dessert, I want strawberry on the plate. So uh, I made a strawberry dessert with plenty of strawberry and mm. I serve it in a bowl. It's mm. beautiful, but you know, I don't want two strawberry on the plate <laughs> and say, oh, this is my strawberry dessert. <laughs> and that's, you know, but it's fine dining. So, But but the, the I, I honestly remember there, there was a, a, a dinner I had. It was a restaurant called The Church in Stratford, Canada. Mm. And there was a lemon tart, which they were famous for. And it came with lemon tart with cherry. And literally, they put one cherry on the plate. <laughs> literally. And I'm like. I am 19 years old. You're giving me one cherry. What kind of business crap is this? Like I was so PO'd. It was out of control. And the people I'm dining with, they're like, shut up. This is a fancy restaurant. I'm like, no, really? I just paid $8 for a tart with one cherry on it. But I don't know. It's just, it it was the abundance of the season that I was looking for and for the flavor. Yeah, I know. And and I think it's important, you know, I mean, to, first of all, you know, uh, sometime if the portions are so small, then, you want the second bite and it's great, mm. but if you don't have that second bite, sometimes it's not enough to really wake up your uh, y- your test bud uh-huh. completely and and maybe even to share it with your companions mm-hmm. uh, or your wife or mm-hmm. your your kid and say have a bite of that. You know, I, I think mean, that's I'm an important part of dining you know, too. I mean, you share a little taste of this, a little taste of yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's you fun. know, we took our kids to Left Bank every single weekend almost. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, we we did that for uh, you know for almost uh, you know until we get we still do that but mm-hmm. they don't go with us as often because they're older uh, you know at 18 years old you know my <laughs> son is here today working in the kitchen but uh, uh, usually on Saturday there was a day where we'll take them and or Sunday as as a left sh- bank as and, a uh, chef and, and a they had to eat yeah. anything and if there's something they didn't like it's okay yeah they don't but they they eat like we ate right and I think it's very important to get your kids to eat and spend time at the table mm-hmm. I think it's very very important and as a chef and as as parents that was part of what you did when you were when their kids were growing up Absolutely. come eat enjoy left bank yes. LB steak here at La Folie taste I, I, I think it's very very important then we do that on uh, regular basics you know even at home mm-hmm. i think you know sitting with your kids as a family turning off the the televisions or the fun today's mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and making sure they don't play video game when they talk to you <laughs> or when you're having dinner I, I think it's such an important moment because it's the only time very often then you share with your, you know, your day, you mm-hmm. where your day went, what you're doing next week, what your kids are doing. And uh, today, unfortunately, it's, there's a lot of distractions. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but but a good meal can really help with those distractions. A, a good and, and, and know, a and a, a Wi Fi blocker. <laughs> yeah, and, and a good meal, and you know, you're sharing a lot of things at the table. You're spending, you know, if you can spend two hours a day at the table, you know, it's great. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, uh, some people cannot do that, but you know, I mean. Uh, spending two, three hours a day at the table, let's go ahead, because you have friends, you have mm-hmm. families, you have, uh, y- you know, so many great memories, and it's usually, it happens at the table, and uh, uh, I think, you know, people need to continue celebrating life, mm-hmm. and they do, by going out to restaurants, and, uh, but it doesn't always need to be La Folie, or, right. or but Left Bank is a perfect example, where we used to go literally, every weekend Mm -hmm. and we were not the only one there was a lot of local and still today you know i see people through their children's Mm -hmm. every week at the same booth where we used to sit in left bank but that that, when i was a kid that's one of the things my parents tried to do with us um as often as they could as often as they felt they could there were five children in my family so we didn't go out tons of times but we did so, I think, in order to not only give us the experience of dining out with our parents, but also learning to be in a restaurant. And it helped us, and it helped us be aware of those around us, and it helped us try new foods. Behavior. That, right, behavior, but also try new foods that we, my mother might not cook at home because it's either expensive or too much or a pain or whatever it is, something that might take yes. three days. She's like, we'll just have it at a restaurant, and then we could all taste it. And they never forced us, which is something that I thought was smart. It worked for us, um, but if one of the other kids liked it at the table, you're damn sure one of the rest of us, the rest of us are going to be like, we want it too. So we all moved that along. Roland, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, in your it's restaurant. a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you here. And, uh, I appreciate it. And talking about food and uh, wine and sharing and loving yes. and everything else. And you all know. of those delicious things. Listen, um, you have three left bank brasseries, correct? So Larkspur, Larkspur. Menlo Park, mm. and Santana Row in it's, San Jose. I love Santana Row. I just, it's so much fun. Every time I go there, though, I want to buy a Tesla. But I love Santana yeah, yeah, Row. Tes- those Tesla are beautiful. <laughs> uh, and I have two uh, steakhouse, Elby mm-hmm. Steak in Menlo Park and Elby Steak also in Santana Row. And Santana Row as well. So LB Steak is lbsteak.com. Left Bank is leftbank.com. That's Left Bank Brasserie. The three locations, Larkspur, Menlo Park, and San Jose. And of course, Menlo Park and San Jose. Well, San Jose being uh, Santana Row, Left Bank uh, Steak, LB Steak. And the aforementioned restaurant La Folie, which you can visit at lafolie.com or in person, which is much better. Uh, it's 2316 Polk Street. It's on Russian Hill in San Francisco, uh, right by Green Street. And... This is the kind of restaurant that if you happen to be coming to San Francisco, find yourself at the bar. It's fun. It's hip. It's cool. Lovely, amazing tastes and drinks. Make a reservation at the restaurant as well. So whatever you choose to do, uh, it's a it's a gorgeous place to spend some time. And who knows? You might even see Roland here because he's here uh, quite yeah, often. I'm there all the time. <laughs> don't sleep here anymore, but uh, almost. <laughs> More food, wine, and travel right here on Dining Around next time. <laughs>